When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com a, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants step. step. All right, welcome back to Take One Giant Step with us, with us, with you. As I flounder and flub all over my words, this is Sean Morash with my co-host, Paul Dottino. Paul, hello, how are you? Good morning, Sean. Look, it has been a wild and woolly week. I expect moves to continue over the next couple of days. I don't think this roster is truly going to be solidified until the weekend. Well, that may be the case, Paul, but the Giants, as we discussed in episode one a couple days ago, were extremely active. And I have to start here because you were all over this as we debated, you know, what position of need do the Giants need to make a big signing at? They didn't really do so at tight end. They didn't really do so at corner. But boy, your safety position that you were all over has really had something figured out now with Tony Jefferson coming over from the Baltimore Ravens. Clearly, that's going to be something that you know is worth monitoring, although that right now is a practice squad move that we expect to be in elevation. And then, of course, there's Jason Pinnock, the safety from the Jets, who the Giants got a good look at. Uh, where are you at with you know the fill of your safety void? You all pumped out of that ball? Well, you know, Sean, let, let's not kid ourselves. They were so thin there, even though the Dane Belton, the rookie out of Iowa, is practicing with the red shirt on, he's missed so much time as a rookie. How much could you realistically expect out of him during the early part of the season? Probably not much. And he was the third safety on this roster until these moves were just made the last couple of days ago. So, yes, you are absolutely right. I do think the addition of these two veterans, although Pinnock is a younger veteran, I think it is a significant move on the depth chart, even though you're not necessarily talking about old pro-caliber players. Yeah, and look, suddenly the room kind of looks like a strength, which may be saying more about the roster in general. And one thing I keep coming back to, Paul, and I'm curious, Joe Judge always referred to Julian Love as duct tape, right? He was a guy that wherever you plug him in, he was going to do a solid job. He was voted a captain earlier this week as well. The Giants did add Justin Lane, a former third-round corner with the Steelers. That's been more or less a disappointment in Pittsburgh. They added Nick McLeod from the Bills. Obviously, that's somebody that Joe Shane was very much familiar with. But we talked about Aaron Robinson, you know, a young Cordell Flott, Dornay Holmes, Adoree Jackson. This is a team that inevitably is going to suffer an injury, and we're going to be looking at cornerback depth as a problem. 
Do yeah. you think with the depth at safety, there is a chance we see Julian Love back in some coverage in that duct tape role this year? At some point in time, Sean, I think you make a very astute observation. Uh, I don't think that down the line you could rule that out if the Giants suppose that he is their best solution. Look, you and I both know Wink Martindale is very fluid with his positions. He's not going to marry guys to certain spots. He's going to say, look, I need certain jobs to get done. And whoever the best players are on the field to get that thing done is what's going to happen. So that means love at some point plays some corner. Maybe it means that. But, but again, without adding these two safeties the last couple of days, I don't think there's any way that he could have felt comfortable making a move such as that. Yeah, and and to round out all of this here, if you're curious, the Giants did have to wave Calitro, Hudson, and Nick Williams. They did bring them back after their IR moves. Max Garcia was brought back to the practice squad. Interesting to see whether he gets an elevation. And of course, they added Jack Anderson, Anderson, a former guard known, you know, in Buffalo from Joe Shane. Started though a game with Philadelphia a yeah. year ago. The Giants put three guys on IR though: Shane Lemieux, Ellerson Smith, and Rodarius Williams. And you've been with the Dable press conferences, I didn't like hearing the wording, we hope to get them back at some point on all three of those guys, uh, particularly Shane Lemieux. Where should our concern level be right now, Paul? Because I got to be honest, especially with Lemieux, I'm a little panicked. And the idea that Ellerson Smith is on IR is fine. And I know they ended up with Quincy Roche back on the practice squad. But again, that's one of those guys where it feels like, Jesus, is he always going to be hurt? I'm thinking Ellison Smith for some time in early to mid-October. I'm thinking Shane Lemieux probably ooh, more like Halloween-ish, mid-season okay. to maybe a little bit after that. Um, and, and with Darius Williams, probably similar. I'm thinking mid-season. I don't think there's any doubt, Sean, and you and I both know this. You put a guy on IR before the final 53, he's done for the season. So you have to be pretty sure that he's not going to make it back even for Thanksgiving. But the Giants feel extremely confident that all three of them are going to make it back well before Thanksgiving. And that's why they made the maneuvers that they had to make paperwork-wise to put these guys on IR following the initial 53 so that technically they can come back after the first month of the season. All right, I'm going to give you both a positive and a negative, and it surrounds around Shane Lemieux, okay? And this is obviously me from a fan's perspective, Paul. I look at this situation, and I think, number one, the positive is I have less questions about the offensive line than in past years, which is great, right? I mean, Evan Neal, you yeah. expect you know to have some bumps in the road. Andrew Thomas, voted captain, becoming an elite left tackle. And obviously, we like Lewinsky, Feliciano. At work, you know, mediocre we will take for the Giants right now. But boy, does this left guard situation scare me with Lemieux out. It really does. Uh, ben Bredesen and Josh Zudu were hurt. They're seemingly, I guess we want to lean towards healthy. This is obviously a team that signs Jason Anderson. Max Garcia floating around. He's on the practice squad. Who the heck is starting at left guard in Nashville, Paul? It's driving me nuts. You know, you got a real, real pain in the butt right there to figure that one out. Because here's the thing. They want... They want Azudo to be the next guy up. But because he's missed so much time, this rookie has really shown a lot of promise, but he missed so much time during the training camp. Sean, I can't tell you in two weeks that he's going to be coached up enough to be the starting rookie. It's a big front the Titans have, Paul. It's a big front to rely it's on the guy. By the way, yeah, and Azudo was drafted you know, with a lot of upside, but we knew he was going to be a project. 
working in Georgia. Throw them out there week one versus the Titans. I mean, that's asking a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's asking a lot. It's asking an awful lot, which is why, to be honest with you, I'm not going to rule out Anderson, a guy who they just picked up. Now, remember, he was brought in by Buffalo originally when he came into the league under Dable and offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, and Joe Shane, who was the assistant GM up there at the time. So they, all three of them, know this guy extremely well. When he came out of school at Texas Tech, he was primarily a right guard who had practiced a ton at center. And the thing about him was he was scrappy, like a pit bull. They, they had a nickname for him. They called him Little Richie at Texas Tech. And that's because he reminded them of Richie Incognito because he was a pit bull foaming at the mouth. That's a good nugget. And that's what Bobby Johnson wants primarily in his offensive linemen. He wants guys who will fight, scratch, gouge your eyes out, and claw. And so I'm not going to rule him out of a quick startup and possibly, possibly, starting at left guard against Tennessee. I don't want to just put him aside. Yeah, and and look, Andrew Thomas is off and running now with his career at left tackle, and at some point he should be you know, able to be leaned on on that side to look over there at that left guard situation and help out when needed. But I just don't want Andrew Thomas feeling like in the heat of some of these snaps, he needs to you know take a slight step to the right there and help out a little bit. I, I'm just paranoid. I don't want to see Daniel Jones take too much pressure up the middle because as a guy that ultimately I think can still take off and run and go up the middle. And I just think that this is, a, you know, a problem waiting to happen. Now, another thing on Giant fans. Oh, no, you're right. Sean, you're absolutely yeah. right. The, or the first few games of this season, unless they can get that thing squared away quickly, this has got to be a concern. I, I, I'm not going to deny it. There's no question about this. This is, this is the, the, the leak in the dam, if you will, at the moment. Another thing on Giant fans' minds, and we're listening to one Giant step here, Sean Morris, Paul Dettino, obviously a podcast for Giants fans, by Giants fans, free on the Odyssey app. Blake Martinez not being voted a captain. Uh, I can't figure this one out. As I know he's you know, a guy who took a pay cut, came back, seems like he's doing, saying all the right things. He was left on the field a little long in that jet game. I could make the case, hey, he's coming off that injury. He needs those reps. And it's not to say Julian Love is not deserving, clearly. But I look at this defense, and I just wonder, Xavier McKinney as well, how does Blake Martinez not a captain on this team? Well, you know what, Sean? I think by the time they get to opening day against Tennessee, the final count's going to be approximately 30 players who played games for the Giants still remaining on this roster. That is a very, very small percentage. So I think when you consider the amount of turnover that they've had, and remember now, Last year, Martinez got hurt right away and yeah. missed most of the season. So think about that for a minute. Not just the first-year Giants, but how many of last year's first-year Giants actually got the opportunity to play a significant amount of time with Blake Martinez, know what he is as a teammate, know what he is as a captain. I would say to you that a great deal of Giants on this roster today don't really know enough about Blake Martinez, especially considering the fact that he's come along slowly during the summer and hasn't even been able to take full practice reps with them during training camp. So if they don't know the guy like a brother, how could you expect them to vote for him? 
Well, well it's, it's not like the guy has been, you know, away in Aruba. I imagine he's been working his ass <laughs> off the facility around the team. I mean, they don't know him. He's also been a guy who did sign originally a big deal. was a pretty damn good player with the Packers. Yeah. How the heck do these guys not know Blake Martinez? That feels like a tough sell for me, Paul. Well, I think what happens is, you know, the locker room is a brotherhood. And guys have to feel connected to fellow teammates even more so than just being on the roster together. And I think when you look at the fact that Xavier McKinney at the moment is getting the green dot to be the signal caller because Wayne Martindale clearly feels he's going to be the defensive player who's best suited to do it and will probably be on the field for 99% of the plays. I think in Wink's system, Sean, you can also question how much is Blake Martinez actually going to play? There's a possibility, A, that he's going to come off for a significant fraction of the plays, and B, the fact that they've ramped him up, and I know he's played some preseason snaps, but they've ramped him up. There's a chance that he's not even, quote, a full go that can even give you 50 snaps until a few weeks into the season. I think when you consider all those factors, I don't think it's as much of an insult to Blake as you might imagine. All right, Paul, you were all over Alex Bachman making the team. He's not even brought back on the practice squad. How much yeah. of that stuns you right now? I, I am surprised he's not on the practice squad. Uh, and obviously they brought C.J. Board back on the practice squad, Jalen Moore. And they did just bring in Pimpleton from the Lions for a look. Obviously he could have some kick return depth as well. But is the Bachman thing that stunning that he's not even on the practice squad? Well, yeah, you know, I had seven receivers on my initial 53. They went that way. The problem with Bachman is that, unfortunately, the Giants have a collection of a bunch of small receivers. And they had decided, you know what, they thought he could get them through. They thought they had enough of, of small receivers already on the team and special teams guys. They, they've invited him back, as I understand it, but he is looking for greener pastures. I think he's frustrated after being with this organization for a few years and only getting a cup of coffee last year, he really wants to hold out hope that he can find a better situation with more optimism that not only will he crack the 53, but that he'll get some playing time. I think if you're Alex Bachman right now, and that's why he's turned down the chance to come back, if you're him, Sean, do you really think, unless you believe that Shepard or Tony, which they could get hurt, but unless you think that, and Wondell Robinson is, is not going to be able to get on the field. I mean, look how deep he's going to be on that Smurf part of the depth chart. Yeah, you love the Smurf stuff, Paul. You love the Smurf depth chart. Um, all right, well, if you're thinking along those lines, Darius Slayton is the $2.5 million uh, elephant in the room, right? The Giants yeah. right now are operating in negative cap space, the least of the negative cap space in the NFL, uh, and they have to figure out some things. But yet, Darius Slayton made the team. There doesn't seem to be a, a trade on the horizon. I guess they could turn around and still cut him, although that would feel odd to do that now after he, he made the team. Are we staring down the barrel of a Leonard Williams contract extension? Because I, for one, would be okay with that. I think Leonard Williams has played enough. You're going to have to figure out this, you know, the way to you know, spend this money or at least divide up this money somewhat to alleviate the cap. I think I'd rather live with adding a you know a year or two onto Leonard Williams than just flat out cutting Darius Slate at this point. I've expected them to redo something with Leonard Williams now for for at least a year. To be frank with you, because yeah, he is making so much money. Look, he was the only giant in the top 100 of NFL Network's uh, player pool. So obviously, he is extremely well respected around the league. I still think he is 
you know, if not the best defensive player on the Giants unit, maybe Xavier McKinney is that guy. But Williams is certainly right up there. So there's no reason to believe the way he's playing and, and how durable he's been that you would be reluctant to add another year or two to his deal. It makes the most sense. It's the one guy mathematically who really has the ability to do that and help them out cap-wise. And as far as Slayton is concerned, here's the interesting part about it. Uh, you just saw the Eagles dealt a rigor to the uh, Vikings, right? There, there's yes. a veteran receiver who just got dealt. You know, you would think, you would think, and I, I'm, I'm maybe a little higher on Slayton than other people, that if someone was interested in making a deal of that nature, they might have put in a call to the Giants. I did tell you, an NFC team did call the Giants, even going into training camp, about showing interest in Slayton. But the Giants held on. Uh, I would, quite frankly, like to see him stick. I, I think, I I think he's showed enough. Yeah, and I think you're gonna you're gonna need him at some point, as you pointed out. All these receiver injuries, and we can talk about them in a second. Tony seems to be back towards a hundred percent, but at some point, that sixth, seventh receiver is going to play football. David Sell, Sills, and Darius Slayton. Now we don't want that necessarily to be the case. We'd love everybody to be healthy, but they're going to play significant snaps at some point in the offense for the Giants. One more thing I found that was a little bit interesting, Paul, and I'm not sure if you saw this. The Giants did place waiver claims on guys that they didn't get. One of them, which really interests me, because I liked him out in San Francisco, was Jermichael Hasty, a running back. Yeah. Would this tend us to think now, right what we brought up on the last pod about like his kick return ability? And they have, obviously, Breda, who I had mentioned, and, of course, Antonio Williams. Is there a running back not on safe ground there that they were interested in, in Hasty? Yeah, I was really, really surprised by that, to be frank with you. I did not understand it unless they had some other ulterior motive that there was another roster machination that they were going to have to use. Remember, Sean, the one thing about this week, roster machinations are like Rubik's Cubes, okay? you have. I can't figure out a Rubik's Cube either, so I guess I can't figure out these. Neither can I. I was just going to ask you if you could help me. No, um, no. So in all honesty, I'm still Paul, Paul. I'm still working on the same one I got in fifth grade. It's I can tell you where it is. It's unbelievable. Hey, I'm just glad I could master the slinky. Okay, <laughs> but, but seriously, <laughs> the thing is, the roster machinations because of the odd rules in the NFL and how they do these things with the guarantees and the IR for the year as opposed to the IR for the month and the practice squad and the waiver claims and. All of these machinations cause for what I believe to be a very messy soup. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrible stew. I think that the NFL needs to clean up a lot of these roster rules that have made things so sticky. I have so many fans on Twitter who were saying to me at Giants WFAN, hey, my God, what is all of this about? Can you explain this to me? How are they doing this? It would take me about 500,000 characters to explain all the different roster rules that force players into these very odd predicaments. Sometimes you got to steal one from another position just because you got to get somebody on for 24 hours, and then you go and reverse it 24 hours later. It's insane. Yeah, it is It is crazy. I think we should close with this thought, Paul. Uh, Kadarius Tony obviously looks like he's nearing 100%. If you want to say, for the most part, the roster now is what it is. Now, as we talked about, there's a lot of things that could tweak. But for the most part, the position groupings, we have a pretty good idea of whether they're going to be strong or not, right? We're a little weak at corner, got stronger at safety, O-line's better than it's been in past years, tight end room is eh, but we'll see how much they use the tight ends. 
I think if you, whatever you think about the New York Giants record was this year, and I don't know what you think the record's going to be. I have an idea what I think the record's going to be. To me, for the pendulum to swing one way or another, I, I really think that that player that could sway it one way or another is Kadarius Tony being on the field. He has absolute game-breaking ability. It's the health that, that is a main concern, and I, I think that the Giants will be on the positive end of wins as far as what people's predictions are. If Kadarius Tony by the end of the year is a legitimate fortified number one receiver for this Giants team, yeah, you know that's a logical assumption, Sean. I really think the Giants have a handful of guys who are in that boat. Whether it's Barkley, Galladay, Tony Jones, I think you could name all of those guys and say, "Well, the Giants well, need those guys to max out." But they absolutely do, Paul. And you know what? For and maybe I should reframe what I was going to say. For 2022, you're right. If all four of those guys maxed out, Jones, Barkley, Galladay, and Tony, all four maxed out, you're talking about the The Giants could potentially be a playoff team. And I said seriously, but that the thing is, you don't expect that. The deal with the other three guys is, and I like them all, Jones, Barkley, and Galladay, to an extent. I don't have high hopes for like what the foundation of like good playoff teams under Brian Dable. I don't expect those guys to be long term a part of that. Where I hope and expect Tony to be a part of that, and I think a major, major, you know, building block for what the Giants are, are building here is Tony being like that elite level Tyree Kill type player for this team. Yeah, I, that would be great. I think one of the reasons they drafted Wandell Robinson though in the second round this past spring is because that's a hedge on their back. That's a hedge on if Tony can't become that all-around, all-world, all-universe type of gadget receiver who can do multiple things to burn a defense, I think that's why Wondell Robinson was drafted, because that's their hedge, that if Tony, for whatever reason, flames out, either he's not durable enough or he can't get the job done, I think they believe that Wondell Robinson because of his ability to play some running back at Nebraska, his toughness. His, if you look at him physically, he's got a little thickness on him. Again, he looks more like a Dave yeah. Mega type than he does a, a smirk receiver. I think Robinson is kind of your insurance against that, Sean. But, Paul, I, I'm, I'm going to be furious right now, I'm telling you. From a Giant fan perspective, I like Wendell Robinson. I have a problem with the pick. You can't be spending second-round picks on insurances to back up first-round picks the year before. They better right. find a way to be creative and get both those guys on the field at the same time. Yeah, I know. I, I, you're absolutely right in that if Tony does not produce as a first-round pick should, you have every right to be angry right. because that becomes a bust. I, I'm well, and, and Paul, there were those rumors. Those rumors you have to be drafted Wondell Robinson. Remember the, the stupid trade rumors that proved to be false? But if they really did drift them to be insurance and you're spending a starting – you know, when you drift somebody in the second round, you expect them to be a long-time starter for you, then you should have dealt Tony. If you believe in Tony, then Robinson better not be insurance. He better be in addition to, and if they better find a way to get both those guys on the field. Oh, I don't think there's any question that, that, that they felt the more the merrier. And that's why they took Robinson, but he also becomes, as part two of his drafting, becomes insurance. Uh, but I don't think there's any doubt in their minds, especially Kafka, uh, they feel getting both of these guys on the field at the same time, that's as lethal as a 007 pistol. <laughs> uh, Paul, we're going to leave it with that perfect line to sum it up. Paul's got to run. He's got stuff at the facility. I'm going to take off as well. And with that, the podcast is going to end. Paul, next week, we get invested in game week, baby. I can't wait. 
Let's get it on, man. At Giants WFAN, where you can follow Paul, at Mirazz CBS, where you can follow me. Thank you for taking another one giant step with us. <laughs>